to Totalus Rankium. This week, John Seven. Hello and welcome to Roman Emperor's Totalus Rankium. I am Jamie. And I'm Rob, ranking all of the emperors from Augustus to Constantine eleven, and this is 168. It's the seventh John. Yeah, seventh. Almost the last John. Yeah, almost. Oh. Yeah. He is the penultimate John. Okay. He is. In fact, we've only got three names left, including today's episode. Oh, oh, two, what? two Johns, a Manuel, and a Constantine. That's <gasps> it. That's what we've got left. This has happened fast. This is too fast for me. Rob, slow down. It's happening very fast, isn't it? It's very fast. Right, you ready to go? Editing Rob here. That's right. Forgot to introduce myself again. But uh, here's another Rexypod that you might enjoy. Have you ever wondered, what's the deal with the Nobel Prizes? Who are all these people? And why should I care? I'm Maggie. And I'm Quinn. And this is Nobelis Oblige, the podcast where we rank and review all the Nobel laureates from 1901 until we run out of people. Join us as we make our way through some of the most influential scientists, writers, and leaders of the 20th and 21st centuries. In the process, we'll explore their work, their impact on society, their personal lives, and more. And most importantly, we'll see if they have that erudite mystique, that academic rigor, that sense of Nobelis Oblige. Oh, that's right. What's better than Romans? Um, Nobel Prize winners? Not a sentence I ever thought I'd say, but almost certainly factually true. So uh, check it out. Nobelis Oblige, or Nobly Obligé for our Discworld readers. Anyway, back to um, back to the normal episode. Take it away past me. Right, well, we're jumping in. Um, it's going to be a fairly short one this week. Cool. So hold on to your, your Roman hat. I'm grabbing the brim as yep. we speak. Okay, so last week we covered a son who led a mostly unsuccessful coup against the father who blinded him. I think it's a hilarious coup. I think that's how we phrased it. Uh, this week we're going to cover a grandson who led a mostly unsuccessful coup against the grandfather who blinded him. So oh, wonderful. Uh, that's fun. Yeah, great. Like I say, it, it's not going to be a long one. It's going to be fairly short. That said... This episode doesn't need to be short, interestingly, because John Seven has one of the longest post-emperor lives of all the emperors we've ever done. Uh, and I could have covered his whole life in detail, but I've decided against it. Good. I think to explain his life would take up too much of Manuel's story, and I feel we should hear his story in his episode, oh. rather than just hearing bits of it, because uh, he's too cool to just have him as a side character. It'll be narrated by him as well. It was a cool long day. <laughs> yeah, so we'll, we'll save that for okay. Manuel's episode. That said, there are some post-emperorship things that we will cover as and when we get to it. So, let's go, shall we? We have no idea, but I'm guessing John Seven's first memory was blinding pain. Literally. Oh, oh yes, yes, I remember this. <laughs> yes, yeah. because when he was three years old, he was blinded. Why would you do that to a three-year-old? Actually, let's flashback slightly. Because his life didn't begin at the age of three. Who knows? Maybe he did lots beforehand. So let's go back to 1370, the year of John's birth. He was the only child of Andronicus IV and his wife, Karatsta, of Bulgaria. Uh, or at least if there's another child, we don't know of them. I mean, 
there's a chance that they had a daughter and history being history, not even mentioned. Uh, but yeah. no brothers, we know that. Uh, his parents had been married for 14 years before his birth, which is quite unusual, but then they had got together when they were eight years old, if you remember, so yeah. kind of makes sense. And apart from that, we know nothing of his early childhood apart from that one incident, but that was a very big incident. Because when he is three years old, his father revolts and his grandfather punishes, like, like grandfathers do. Oh, yeah. yeah. This, is, this is for your yes. own good, I'm sure he said. Exactly. It's, it's how you'll learn. Yeah. Uh, because after all, if you remember, Morad, the Ottoman overlord, had told John Five to blind his son and just... Just to be sure, the grandson, little John Seven as well, he's, he's, his eyes have got to go. Now, to be clear here, the sources are not 100% clear. As covered a couple of times already, we don't know how Andronicus IV was blinded, but he seemed to keep his sight, leading many to suggest that uh, maybe it was just one eye. However, we have very few sources that confirm that little John was also blinded at the same time. In fact, there's only two mentions of this. Uh, both highlight the fact that John Five did not want to do the blinding, but he had no choice. That's rubbish. You always have a choice. <laughs> yeah, especially when it comes to blinding your own yes. grandchild. Yeah. So, anyway, uh, we do get a reference of the fact that John Seven spends the rest of his life squinting slightly. <laughs> Uh, so so maybe it wasn't a, a one-eye thing for him. Maybe he was, I don't know, just partial, bit of bit of blinding, bit of milk in the eye. Since we don't know how he was blinded, I'm just going to let you decide. How, how would you blind a three-year-old, Jamie? Well, in my experience, I find the best way of blinding a three-year-old child is, well, a variety of acids, like lemon, vinegar. We've yeah. talked about vinegar yeah. before, haven't we? Household. Oh, super sour sweets. Easy to get hold of. Oh, yes. Just just rub a few sour Haribo into yeah. his eyes. A few of the Tang Fastics. Yeah, that won't completely blind him, no. will it? Yeah. <laughs> okay. That would do. Maybe one of the keys, the sour keys. You could just you grab a handle then, couldn't you? Ooh, just yeah. switch it in there. Just... Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Right. So that's what happens to little John. He spends the rest of his life with half a sour Haribo key stuck out of his eye. One Italian chronicler claimed that John was spared in the blinding, however. So that's nice. There is a chance that he wasn't blinded at all, but but who knows? Anyway, shortly after being blinded, the child was taken to a prison cell and thrown inside. Yay. It's not, it's not having the best of uh, lives so far, nah, is it? Well. He would have been... He would have been confined in that prison, in the prison of Animas that I mentioned last time, uh, between the ages of three and six. So half his life he would have spent in that prison. And here I have to relate a little nugget of information that Andronicus IV, his father, could maybe have benefited from last episode, uh, but it was something I found out whilst doing the research for this episode. Apparently, when in prison, little John's father, Andronicus, was forced to kill a large snake with his bare hands. Oh, how'd you do that? Would you break its neck? But then where? I don't you know. just grab the end of its tail where? and snap it? You... I think hold on to the end and then just keep swinging it round. Oh, okay. Like a lasso. hitting its head, maybe. Yeah, I, yeah I'm guessing so. Um, so fun times for the young lad growing up in a prison cell watching his father beat snakes to death in front of him. Yeah. Yeah. You get the feeling John's going to grow up to be a well, well-adjusted well young, young man. 
don't you? And then, at roughly the age of six, John was broken out of prison along with his father and his family. Hooray! He would have been too young to understand that his father was being used as a pawn in a larger war between the Venetians and the Genoese. Of course he would have done. Uh, In fact, even his father was too young to understand that, as we saw in his episode. Uh, But what little John would have known is that his life suddenly got a lot, lot better. He was allowed to sleep in a room with a bed and there were no snakes and everything. Yeah, exactly. Being just a small six-year-old, he obviously would have been kept apart from the fighting and the cooing that was going on. Uh, He never would have really known his grandfather and his uncle Manuel, apart from the stories his mother and father gave to him. So... Yeah, he probably did not like his uncle Manuel, and after all, his grandfather was the one who shoved that Haribo into his eye. Yeah, so, bad feelings. Bad yeah, feelings. yeah. So he was probably as happy as a six-year-old can be on a quest for vengeance when his grandfather and uncle were thrown in the same prison that had been his home for half his life. And then John would have been aware that his father was now the emperor. Hooray! And shortly after this, he was crowned co-emperor at roughly the age of seven. That's a hell of an upgrade from previous years. He he is packing it in in his life, isn't he? He really is. He's only seven years old. He's already been blinded, spent half his life in prison. He's been involved in a coup and a prison break, and now he's emperor. Hooray. We can only guess what his life was like as the heir. Presumably pretty good. He was too young to understand how precarious everything was at the moment. Uh, He was no longer battling snakes. That bed was even better now. It's a four-poster bed. It's great. Lots of toys underneath it and everything. It was brilliant. Uh, But as we have seen, all this comes to a bitter, bitter end when his grandfather and uncle break out of prison. And by this time, John probably had a rough understanding that his father's friends were the Genoese and the Venetians were bad, bad people helping his grandfather. He would have understood more the fact that they were forced to flee the palace and cross the water to a fortified Genoese sector. Uh, And being so close to the tension and being a bit older, he was probably starting to realise how messed up everything was by this point. But that said, for the next two years, he was pretty much just kept out of the way. And then, at roughly age nine, his life suddenly improved once more. A peace deal was made. Yes, that hated grandfather is now in charge once more, but his father was co-emperor again, and he was third in line for the throne. Slightly worse than before, but yeah, it's all right. Still gets a good bed. Still gets good. Not four posters, just two two posters. Or just a poster on the wall. (laughs) But a poster of a crown. Yeah, nice. That's pretty good. Yeah. So all they need to do is wait for the old man to die, and then things will go back to how they were before. Hooray! And his hated uncle, that bloody Manuel... Yeah. Uh, he was sent away to Thessalonica. <laughs> so that was good. But it was not long before they were on the move once more. Salimbria, mm. the small city down the road from the capital. From there, his father starts building up a force, as we covered last episode, just in case, of course. Nothing sinister. No. And for the next five years, John saw the most stable period of his life. He turned from a child into a teenager. Oh dear. Yeah, (laughs) he settled in one place and everything. Things not too bad. He would have become more and more involved in his father's decisions and would have been more than aware that this force being built was nothing to do with the Ottomans, but instead to do with that hateful old fool on the throne. And presumably he would have been more than willing to follow his father's footsteps in fighting his grandfather. Yeah. He's not going to like the guy, is he? By early 1385, things had built up, and his father and grandfather met on the battlefield. 
after his father attacked a fort belonging to John V. And as I've said before, this battle had no winner. Although, to be fair, looking into it even more for this episode, it would be more accurate to say that it had no significant outcome. Uh, Apparently Andronicus did lose this, but it wasn't decisive. So both sides were able to recover. It looked like this civil war was going to drag on. Uh, And we have no idea if John Seven was involved in the battle. Presumably in some way he was. He's now a teenager. He's about 14 at this point. Okay. So, I mean, he wouldn't have been up front fighting. No. Witnessing. Yeah, he would have been there. He would have been at the tent at the back. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he wouldn't be able to see very well what was going on, obviously. But... Damn, yeah. uh, but maybe someone was telling him what was going on. Uh, things <laughs> such as, we need to leave very quickly. Audio descriptions of the <laughs> yes, battle. audio description of the battle. And then, when they got home, his father succumbed to an illness. And after a couple of months of this, his father was dead. Yeah. Sudden end to Andronicus. Uh, as we speculated in his episode, maybe this was him just being got out of the way. Uh, but who knows? Illness has happened. So John, as co-emperor of the Roman Empire, inherited the lands due to him. Hmm. And what are the lands due to this co-emperor of the Roman Empire? Not much. Well, it's the small city of Salimbria and the farms around it. Ooh, farms. Great. <laughs> yeah, that, that's how much we have now fallen, Jamie. That, that is all John Seven is getting. Uh, and then we lose track of John for a while. Presumably he stayed in Salimbria for a bit while his grandfather and his uncle fell out. More on that next week. Yeah. Uh, and during this time, he built upon the Genoese contacts that his father had used throughout his life. Uh, and over the next few years, the Genoese sector of the city started openly saluting John as emperor, something that did not escape the notice no. of his grandfather. Great no. ego boost for him as well. Well, yeah, exactly. Makes you wonder how often he went to the capital in order for that to happen, yeah. probably every opportunity. Oh, yeah, he could. he'd walk down the street yeah. then to walk back again a few minutes later. So, oh, yeah. I just forgot something. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, oh, damn, and then he'd leave again. So, oh, I think I'm, maybe I'll left the oven on. Best go back. Yeah. Damn, damn. Yeah, constantly walking up and down the streets. Uh, now, perhaps to plan from a place of support, or perhaps just to get away from his hated family, John then leaves the Empire and heads to Genoa sometime in his late teens. It's also around this time that he starts corresponding with the new Sultan of the Ottomans, Bayezid, because John had plans. It did not take long. After being in Italy for about a year, gaining support uh, from the naval superpower, John comes back to the Empire, back to the capital with his own men, and men provided by Bayezid. And it took two weeks of sieging the city before someone opened the gates to him. And as we saw in John 5's episode... John's forces moved in, fighting takes place throughout the night, and come morning, several things have become clear. Number one, John has taken the city. Huzzah! He had adopted his father's name, Andronicus, so cries of victory didn't get confusing. Because, obviously, he's John 7, and he's usurping John 5. Yeah, you don't be cheering John. Go, John! And everyone suddenly points (gasps) swords at him. They could have called him Andronicus. (laughs) They totally should have called him Andronicus. I'm I'm just going to say they did. That was his name. Awesome. Yeah. This is history, guys. Yeah. This is history. <laughs> yes. So, Andronicus is in charge of the city now. Number two, his grandfather was trapped in a fortification in the city walls. So the palace was his as well. Not only has he got the city, he's got the palace. Was his grandfather yeah. trapped in a wardrobe? Uh, pretty much, yeah. yeah. It was just a fortification in the city walls. He'd ran there for safety, basically. Uh, number three, this one was... A 
bit bit of a niggle. So far, everything's been going really well. Uh, his his uncle was missing. Manuel. Uh, he'd definitely been in the capital, and now he wasn't. That slimy Manuel. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Is there something I need to worry? No, that's fine. It'll be fine. It'll You're be right. fine. Yeah, he's now Emperor. John Seven. Emperor. Time to usher in a new golden age. He's 20. He's full of vim. He's got all the time he needs to change the city, the empire, take it back to the uh, the heights of Trajan's day. Oh, That's what he's going to do. Big plans. So, big plans. What's he going to do first? Uh, sort out the potholes. Uh, no, uh, coins. Coins oh, with his course. face on. That's what's first, yes. Uh, after that, he's going to sign a new treaty with Venice. Oh, okay. Yes, I know I got into power through the Genoese, but uh, I'm still going to honour the debts with you. I'm a sensible ruler. That's what I am. Mm. I'm not just going to just give everything to the Genoese just because they helped me get into the power. I'm here to stay, he said very loudly. Uh, next, he's moving quickly. Uh, new patriarch. In fact, old patriarch. He's going to get the patriarch who was patriarch under his father's three-year rule, and he's going to reinstate him. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. Okay, that's done. What's up next? Um, oh, good God, it's Uncle Manuel. Hello. <laughs> He's probably rushing for all these orders, and then there's just a, a slight, very quiet strum of a flamenco guitar. And he just looks up, and there's Manuel leaning against the doorframe. Oh, black cigarette in hand. Oh. Yeah, so which, cool. which he then flicks into the corner, which uh, sets John's bed on fire, his new oh, emperor bed. it's like a ten-poster bed. Ten-poster bed, and it's now just quietly smouldering. <laughs> We get next to no details, but Manuel swept into the city as easily as John had weeks before. Should have sorted those gates out. (laughs) Really should have done. John flees, and his hated grandfather is let out of his cupboard and put back on the throne. And there you go, that's the glorious rule of John Seven. Oh. (laughs) I'll admit, expecting something a little bit more. (laughs) I mean, he's he's still only 20s. Considering he's only 20, he's done a lot. Well, he's experienced a lot. Have you been to prison? Have you been half-blinded? Have you been part of a battle? Uh, Have you taken over Constantinople and then become emperor? Once. Have you done any of these things? once. Yeah, but were you 20? No. No, exactly. He did it when he was 20. So, yeah, that's pretty good. Um, Right, all this said, however, like like I said at the start of the episode, uh, he does go on and he does a lot more after this. He doesn't suddenly die. He's not monked. He's fairly integral to the story still. But I don't want to spend ages ruining Manuel's story by providing context yeah. for John. That said, he does do a couple of things that I think will affect our judgment. Usually, if they've not done anything worthwhile, we can just ignore it. But I do think this will affect uh, the score. So I'm going to try a compromise here. I'm going to give you some highlights of the rest of his life. Okay. So, really not very long at all, but let's see if we can eke out a point or two from this. So, after being deposed, he flees to Bayezid, and is forced to live in the Ottoman court for a time. And interestingly, as we saw in John 5's episode, so is his uncle, Manuel. Oh. So the two are together in the Ottoman court. You burnt my bed. (laughs) Yes. The, The two are even forced to fight alongside one another... Uh, for the Sultan in Anatolia. Yeah. So they're, they're doing fighting. Uh, John V then dies, and Manuel becomes the Emperor. Spoiler. John Seven then returns to Salimbria at some point and mm. rules as governor. Uh, tensions grow between Manuel and John. Wow. Uh, as, and we will cover this more in Manuel's episode. Uh, then Bayezid sieges 
Constantinople. John uses this to try and get people in the capital to support him rather than his uncle. Not the time. Well, he was saying things like, if I was in charge, Bayezid would just leave. Bayezid's told me so, which uh, does work to some degree. However, after several years of this siege, yes, that's right, several years, this is a big siege, uh, politics change, which again, cover in more detail next time. But for now, just know that Manuel and John eventually decide to reconcile. John is invited to the capital and was made heir. And then, for reasons I'll go into next time, Manuel leaves for three years. The siege is still going on. Uh, Did you have to, like, smuggle out in a barrel or something? Uh, Not quite that exciting, but um, pretty much. So, who is left in charge of the city? Uh, John Seven, the one that said Bayezid would leave straight away. John Seven. Uh, And he's got one job. Don't let the city fall. Don't I don't open the don't gate. worry about yeah, don't worry about ruling the city or anything. I've got people in place for that, said Manuel. It's it's ticking along, it's all okay. Just make sure it doesn't fall. That's your job. Now many thought that this was Manuel escaping and giving up. Yeah. It was clear that John and Manuel weren't suddenly best friends, even though they had officially reconciled. Uh, but to try and patch things up, they had adopted each other's children in an attempt to prove to each other that they could trust each other. That's how little they trusted yeah. each other. Have my child. They had to do that. Yeah. So anyway, it was after Manuel had left and John was left in charge that John was informed that he had some ambassadors from Bayezid who wanted to see him. Essentially, he was handed a note that said, Well done, John. Manuel's gone now. Time to hand over the city. What do you think John does? I think he says no. Well, John just refused to engage. He didn't no. answer back. Nice. So another message arrived, this time more forceful, and we actually have the message. Bit of detail, when sources are thin. (laughs) Oh, you've read it. Uh, I quote, Oi! If I had indeed put the Emperor Manuel out of the city, not for your sake have I done this, but for mine. And if then you wish to be our friend, withdraw from thence, and I will give you a province. Whatever one you may wish. But if you do not, with God and his great prophet as my witness, I will spare no one. But all I will utterly destroy. <laughs> Hooks and kisses. <laughs> yeah, that is it. John replied to the ambassador after reading this. Withdraw. Report to your lord. We are in poverty and there is no great power whereunto we may flee. Except to God who aids the powerless and who overpowers the powerful. So if you wish anything, do it. In other words... Come and take it if you can. The siege drags on for several more years and things get very tough. John spends his time when he isn't organising the defence of the city, making sure that things were working in his favour, not Manuel's. The two did not get on. He did what he could to undermine the emperor's power, including helping the opponents of the current patriarch. And eventually, internal problems forced Bayezid to lift the siege and John had won. Hooray! And when Manuel returned... John did not attempt a coup, but tensions were so high between them that they continued to just circle each other for a while, which again, we'll cover more in the next episode. Eventually, John was set up in Thessalonica as co-emperor, but he quickly ran it as a separate empire slash city-state. You can't really call it an empire. Um, And soon after that, he had a son that he called Andronicus V, an heir to the throne, but... Andronicus V died age seven, so he will not get an episode. He was not really an emperor. Uh, And then John himself died soon after that at the age of 38. 
Oh. And uh, there you go. That's his life. Right. Yeah. Let's um. <laughs> let's rate that. You see why I did that uh, extra bit at the end there, though. Yeah, we needed a bit of something. Well, he was left in charge of the city mm. as co-emperor. I, I think that kind of counts. But I do think it's going to take away the hilarity now from the rounds. It, it does a little bit. So yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it. Right. Let's let's do this. Maximus. Right, well, I mean, he's got to get some points here because he fought his way into Constantinople and then he defended Constantinople against the Ottomans for a long time. But there's nothing amazing. No. And we get no detail. No. So. I'll give him a point. I'm going to give him three. Three? Yeah, you can have three. He's got he took, four points he took of fighting. Four, he's almost got, almost got half points of fighting when he hasn't fought or no, won anything. He's almost got a quarter points, Jamie, not half. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he didn't even manage a quarter. And considering he was involved in a siege and he took the capital, I think that's fair. All right, OK. Yeah. We'll go okay. with it. Next. Aprovium Uh I'm going to give him a token point for usurping his own grandfather. Yeah, I'll I'll match that. I think that's fair. I don't think he's uh, deserves many points, to be honest. As far as we can tell, he wasn't particularly crazy. No. He sounds like he had an awful life for most of his t- life, um, but he didn't seem to do anything crazy. I can only give him one point here. I'll give him one as well. I think that's fair. Fair enough. Next. Success ultimate. <laughs> well, if we're going for his official reign, which you count in days, uh, yeah. he was very unsuccessful. Because he cooed mm. and then he lost it almost immediately. But should we give him some points in successes for refusing to hand the city over to Bayezid? Because that would have been the fall of the Roman Empire. It's just on his word. And he saves the yeah, Roman so Empire. I, I get the thing. He likes a long, drawn-out death. Well, <laughs> you can't really call it an empire anymore. Um, no, but the city would have fallen. He's pumped more drugs into the dying body that is the empire. It's just kind of going... <laughs> Is it, is, does he get points for refusing to hand over the city, though? Yeah, I can have one for that. Yeah, okay, I'll give him a point there as well, then. It's uh, it's not okay. going great for John Seven, but he's probably doing better than it's he feared he would. Not. Okay. Image of So, there we go, we've got uh, another drawing. He looks very similar to the drawing of his dad and his grandfather. Um, he technically mm. has a, a forked beard, but it's a very pointed forked beard. Yeah. Yeah, so... Um, he looks he looks tired. His eyes do look sore, it must be said. Especially his left one. Yeah, it looks very sore. Maybe that's the one with the hammer bow in it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So. Mm. Hmm. Meh. Yeah. Meh. Yeah. <laughs> I'm uh, not impressed. Two. Yeah. No, I'll, I'm, give I'm, two. I'll give him a two as well. So that's a total of one so for this round. One. Temple completo. Okay, how long does he last? Wasn't it weeks? It really was weeks. Uh, he lasted from the 14th of April to the 17th of September of 1390. Yeah, that's a couple of months. Yeah, that's, that's a couple months. of months. Yeah, so I'm going to say that gives him a score of 0.04 for this round. Okay, I had to get my abacus out to add up all these big numbers. Okay, how's he done? So- He's got a total of 9.04. Wow. Well done, John. Really well done. 
Yeah. I mean, all I can say is I'm glad his uncle's coming up next. Uh, imagine if we yeah. were going out on this guy. It would oh, have been a, yeah. it would have been a very disappointing end. And we would have gone out on this guy had he have handed over the city. It would have it would have been yep. the last episode. Yes. Fortunately, it's not the last episode, Jamie. Right. Um, because we have his uncle. Oh no, we need to say no to Jeanne César, don't we? Do they have a certain Jeanne César? No. Uh, no, definitely not. Um, right, okay. His uncle, though, Jamie. Oh, it's going to be a big episode. <laughs> it's it's going to be a long one. Well, one of the longest yes. episodes we've ever done for this series, I'm, I'm guessing. Really? Oh, oh. He, he gets up to a lot, does Manuel. Uh, a lot happens, okay. so it's going to be a good chunky one. The last of the big chunky ones, I'm guessing, because we now have Manuel and his two sons, and that's all we need to do. Oh. So that is for next time. It was a short episode. I warned you it was going to be a short episode. Yeah. Um, <laughs> thank you for listening. Thanks for downloading Popbean, iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever else you find us. Yes, and uh, until next time, all that needs to be said is... That was short. (laughs) Bye. I I can't see what's happening in the battle. I've come all this way and I can't see a thing. Uh, It's okay, sir. Uh, I will give you battle audio description. What's that? If you just turn on the, the battle audio description feature. Yes, the, the red button on, on my armor. Just just there. Yes. Ah, yes. Excellent. In front of you, there is a battle. Ooh. Many people are screaming. Sounds of despair can be heard from all around. Oh, brilliant. I love the sound of despair. A sword plunges into a man's oh, chest. I hope he's our man. Blood pours everywhere. Ooh. A man lays screaming begging for his mother. A sword is put through his face. Oh, this is this is quite gruesome. Um... A horse falls, stumbling. The sound of horse legs breaking shatters the air. Um... A mace collides with the fallen horse. The eyeballs pop out of the horse's head. Men come running towards the tent where the emperor's son is watching the battlefield. Wait, I'm Emperor's son. They are screaming, screaming with rage. Um, I think we need to go. Tears of anger fall down their faces as they raise their swords and rip open the tent flaps. Oh, here they are. A sword is plunged into the Emperor's son's left foot. Ow, that really hurt. Five men turn to his aid, distracted by the monotone voice they can hear. (laughs) No, quick, turn off the audio description. How do I turn off the audio description? They draw their swords and plunge... No! It's the Emperor's son's aid bleeds out. With his final words, he describes his own death. Then what happens? Cecil? Are you awake? Cecil? I'll, I'll just go, shall I? <laughs>